This is She Talk Live. Welcome back to the show. Ladies, thank you for joining me in the studio tonight. This is uh, your host, Stephanie, here with you. And Lauren. And Carla. Yes, and we have a very exciting show planned for you all tonight. Thank you so much for joining us, and we're so glad to have your ears. If you want to call us, first of all, we should start off the show that way. Uh, This is the show about your calls and your thoughts, so give us a call at 603-435-1105. Once again, that's 603-435-1105. Or you can uh, go to cam.freetalklive.com, and you can watch us on the cam. Lauren's actually waving, so is Carla. Uh, What the hell? I'll wave, too. (laughs) Hello, everybody out there in radio land, or cam land, I guess. Anyway... So, ladies, it's a new year. It's time for the Giggle Fest. Yay! (laughs) Oh, I think maybe you're going to keep us on the straight and narrow, Lauren. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, you know, this actually is somewhat of a serious uh, topic lately because, you know, people kind of joke about us giggling, I guess, on She Talk Live because we're the only all-female Free Talk Live. And some people have this idea that women tend to giggle more when they're together. What do you ladies think about that? Um, that's an infectious giggle, right? I think that's <laughs> contagious, Lauren. <laughs> no, but seriously, what what do you ladies think about that? Do you, is that true? Uh, your- I think it's a matter of age. If uh, the females mm. are younger, they giggle more than if they're older, I think. Hmm. What do you think, Carla? <laughs> I don't know. Being maybe in the middle of the age group here, I think I'm going to giggle till I'm totally, you know, okay. 200. But- that, that works for me. But, um, yeah, I think uh, laughter is infectious, as we all know. So I, I think when one of us starts, it's it's sort of contagious. And it's also you're on the radio. So really the only way you can communicate is you're looking at each other's faces or eyes or... Or sounds. Or sounds. And mm. so... Yeah, that's, that's an interesting point. Um, I hadn't thought about it from the angle of just radio. The reason I brought this up was that um, I have a podcast called Pork Therapy, and we talk about uh, anything related to relationships, you know, any interpersonal relationships, and we do it from a liberty-oriented perspective. And somebody wrote uh, a question to Pork Therapy that sounded kind of, on its surface, sounded kind of uh, just lighthearted and fun. And it was it was something about, why do you think women tend to giggle more when they're uh, in groups of other women? And then at the end, he, he threw in this thing, and how does that relate to traditional gender roles and, and the, the propensity of women to acquiesce uh, to authority, which was something that we, uh, I was on School Sucks podcast a little, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, some of our listeners might be familiar. That's Brett Vinat's uh, show. That's and you can show. find him at the schoolsucksproject.com, I believe, or just Google School Sucks podcast. That's what I always do. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was on that show a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about uh, traditional gender roles that are taught to men and women and how that might relate to um, the propensity of women to get in, interested in freedom or into, into politics or anything like that. Mm. So, and, and we talked about um, these themes of aggression and acquiescence and for boys, you know, they're taught to play with these toy soldiers and war, you know, war machines and build things with Legos and blow things up and destroy things. And, and girls are taught to, um, be the people pleasers, right? Uh, that's a kind of a theme that uh, you know at least Carla and I have discussed before on She Talk Live. Um, and so this question asker was saying, you know, how does the giggling relate to this kind of learned acquiescence uh, in women? Do you do you ladies think that has any connection? I, I don't see a connection there, but I see a connection between <laughs> getting tickled and laughing. <laughs> And, and giggling when you're an adolescent or what have you. Uh, theory has it that even when you're tickled, or why do little kids 
laugh when you tickle them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the theory that I've heard is that it keeps people from um, uh, molesting little kids because instead of huh. instead of you know or crying or whatever or, or calling out that if when you hear the little kid laughing, then it like I don't know it. Uh, it's disarming. It's I guess it's disarming, or it's like it kind of sw- switches the uh, the the whole attitude of the situation. I huh. can, uh, I don't know. I guess if pe- like you couldn't if, you couldn't hurt a kid that was laughing, or maybe you couldn't bring yourself to to hurt him. Yeah, or to huh. to to think of him as a sexual object if he's giggling. Oh, that's so interesting. That is very interesting. Yeah, what I understood about laughter is that you know, kind of like the evolutionary roots or the psychological roots of it are. Um, it's an expression of something that's unexpected. And so, uh, you know, usually when you think about it, if you hear a joke, you're, you're thinking that, uh, well, two guys walk into a bar and then one of them hit, you know, says, ouch or whatever. (laughs) I love that one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like the reason that it's funny is because you were expecting them to go be, you know, going into vendettas for social Sunday when they're actually walking into a pull-up bar. So, you know. Um, it, it's a little bit unexpected and that's what triggers the laughter. Um, I don't know about that, but that definition of humor kind of works for me. Yeah, well, I, I I mean, I don't know if this is right. This is just one of my off-the-top theories, but it makes sense to me, you know, if we look more hunter-gatherer roles, if we're going to talk about gender roles, mm, okay. um, that, you know, with with the hunter, they had to, you know, be quiet. They're following an animal. They had to work together as a team, sign language, whatever. <laughs> as the gatherers, as the people, you know, who held the, the family home together, for lack of a better term. Don't shoot me, Stephanie. <laughs> um, you know, it, I think it's all about sort of community and communication. And you know what? I, I would much rather be talking to a bunch of people who are laughing and giggling than a bunch of sour pusses. Yes. yes, I work pusses uh, to the radio. <laughs> Before it was cocktopus and now it's sourpuss. <laughs> There's always a puss on my job. <laughs> well, if you want to give us your thoughts about the uh, the roots of giggling or any deep philosophical thoughts you have about this um, very intense, important subject, you can call us at 603-435-1105. Uh, we did have some other topics that we wanted to discuss tonight. Isn't that right, ladies? Um, yep. But should uh, should we give? Well, we can. I guess we can introduce Lauren a little bit uh, next segment because um, she's her first time on the show, and I'm very excited to have her here. Um, and what do we want to talk about, ladies? I think we were discussing um, some some stuff uh, about kind of social interaction, which is along the same lines of what we were just talking about with laughing. And that was the the utility of Facebook as kind mm. of a reputation or um, social networking tool for activism. Uh, But maybe we'll get to that uh, a little bit later because we do have a call on the line. I'm going to bring them on. Uh, She Talk Live, who's this? You're on the air. Hey, how you doing? This is Hot Rod Rod. Hey, Hot Rod Rod. What's on your mind tonight? Well, um, I was with a a girl in in my car the other night. um, Oh, really? She started crying, and that was um, a really big sexual turnoff. Okay. And then I come to read in the in the news on Google that indeed it was found that that woman crying mm-hmm. is a sexual turnoff. I know this is very far this. and off the tangent from laughing, but um, somewhat similar because I think she was probably trying to disarm any sexual advances I might have made on her by crying. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about the situation? What what led up to her starting to cry? Um. In in radio friendly terms, of course. <laughs> 
Uh, no, you know, there, there was nothing. There was nothing even, even even questionable about the situation. It was just kind of. Um, uh, she was just kind of crying about uh, her her ex boyfriend or something like that. It was it was it was just it was just random. But I I think that. Well, it doesn't seem have... like. I'm sorry to interrupt, but it it seems like when someone starts to cry, they're expressing an emotion, and it doesn't seem like it would be random, right? Yeah, well, that's the, that's what I'm saying. Is I'm thinking that maybe it was to like diffuse any sexual tension that might have existed. Mm. Not that there was, not that I felt it particularly, you know, tense. But I, it was just something weird where I read on I, I read on the internet like several days later right. that that men found that a turnoff. So I was thinking much like you were talking about the baby that cries to. You know, I don't know. Avoid as a protectionary, as a protection instinct. Mm. I was thinking maybe that that was involved. Now I believe that study had something to do with the actual. Um, it was a odor that secreted in your tears. Is that yes. correct? Yeah. Do you want to recap that story, Carla? Are you familiar with it? That's I... as much as I remember, really. I mean, I do remember it was crying as a turnoff. Um, Did I, you hear that... about this, Lauren? No. It's the scent of your tears turns people yes. off. And actually As, in the yeah. experiment, one of the things they had to do is they had to, and we're coming up on a break. We are, yeah. Hot Rod Rod, if you can hang on and want to talk to us a little bit more about this, we'll put you on hold. Is that all right? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. We'll be back more with Hot Rod Rod and more about tears. Are they a turn off? We'll talk about that and more. She Talk Live. We'll be back. You know the Constitution like the back of your hand. You've read books, listened to podcasts, attended lectures, surfed websites, and watched videos. You've made liberty your life's goal. But something seems to be missing. Stickers from LibertyStickers.com. Exercise your freedom of speech with the world's most dangerous bumper stickers. That's LibertyStickers.com. But wait, there's more. You can buy Liberty Stickers wholesale. Get them for 99 cents each when you put 100 or more in your shopping cart in any combination. Sell them or give them away. They're great for gun shows, flea markets, fairs, outreach, and more. Earn extra money, promote freedom, and spread the word. Need custom stickers, labels, or decals for your organization or business? Liberty Stickers makes them. Go to libertystickers.com to order or call 877-873-9626. Libertystickers.com, the world's most dangerous stickers. This is She Talk Live. Thank you so much for tuning in. Stephanie here with you tonight. And Lauren. And Carla. Yes. Thank you so much for being here with us. I'm very excited. Uh, If you would like to call us and lend your thoughts to the discussion, we were talking about tears and laughter before the break at the last segment. (laughs) And we had a call from Hot Rod Rod. But if you would like to join the discussion, you can call us at 603-435-1105. Once again, that's 603-435-1105. Now, um, before the break, uh, we had a call from Hot Rod Rod, who I'm going to bring him back on. Hot Rod, are you still there? Yes, I'm still here. Great. Okay, well, uh, just to recap uh, what we were discussing last segment, you said that you recently had an experience where you were in your car with a woman, and she started to cry, and you found that to be uh, a huge turnoff. 
And this was coincident with an article that was in the mainstream news a lot recently, which we didn't really get to summarize. But um, basically, as I understand it, there was a study where um, researchers had women watch this sad movie and then the woman um, donated, quote unquote, their tears. Uh, They collected the tears in some kind of a tube and then they either gave the tears or they gave a saline solution to uh, some men and then they had the men rate pictures of women on how attractive or appealing they looked. And the men who sniffed the tears apparently rated the women, uh, the pictures of the women as less attractive. And then as a control, they, they had the men rate the women on how sad they looked, even though these, it was just pictures of women's faces. They didn't, they weren't crying. They didn't look particularly sad, but the men didn't rate the women as looking any sadder. And so from this, they drew the conclusion that uh, the men were not empathizing with the women when they sniffed these tears, but they were being becoming sexually uh, turned off. So I agree with that because my sex drive was completely killed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe I should give you a little background here because I, I, I didn't before because I wasn't quick enough in thinking about that night. Please, but yeah. I realized that what initially happened was I was at the bar with with a bunch of friends. She was one of the people there. I was, was a stranger to me, but she was a little bit forward with me. Like she came up to me while mm-hmm. I was standing and kind of pressed her chest against me, and was and then was you know talked and brought up certain topics which were a little bit racy maybe did she say and, um, if i said you had a nice body would you hold it against me <laughs> <laughs> sorry go yeah, ahead. In, in action in action not even words so yeah pretty <laughs> um you know very suggestive and so when i found out that she she needed like a ride home of course i was more than willing to oblige her and I, I offered her a ride home in your hot rod her, rod <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and at which point one of her friends overheard that I was offering a ride to her home, and she jumped in immediately and said, oh, can I have a ride too? And I was like, yeah, sure, of course, being the gentleman that I am. So after I dropped off her friend, uh, I was left alone in the car with her, and it was at that point that she um, kind of broke into tears and started crying about her her ex-boyfriend. Now, um, had she been drinking that night, do you think? Oh, I think we all had, yeah. Okay. But well, I thought it was maybe, after reading this article, I thought maybe, like, you know, with all the events leading up to the situation, that maybe it was some kind of physiological uh, response, like protectionary response. Like, maybe she had second thoughts, like, you know, and that was a way for her to just cry her way out of it. And, like, on a basic physiological level, she knew that that would just kill the kill any potential mood. Hmm. What do you ladies think? I have some thoughts about this, but Lauren, what do you think about that? Uh, I imagine that uh, the same thing that that Rod does—that she got into this in, into this situation and decided to, to oh back backpedal. And uh, mm-hmm. one way to do that would be to, to cry. And mm. yeah, what do you think, Carla? Well, I I don't generally think tears are that calculating. I don't know. I I can't cry on command and you know so i (laughs) you don't have any crocodile tears in there (laughs) no when i cry it's genuine but i cry a lot surprisingly sometimes but um i i don't know it sounds sort of calculating to say oh she started crying because she was in this situation or you know and and maybe it's possible but i don't think that it was you know i i i I find it hard to think that, you know, it was maybe like, hey, she just, maybe my... she just wanted to get my attention and wanted to feel special, like 
some guy would show interest, and then as soon as like the reality came, she, you know, because of whatever situations and difficulties she was having, she wanted to like kind of like squelch it. No, right? Yeah. Maybe, maybe she just needed some empathy. I, I would think, but I, I mean, for for me, I think that uh, maybe that if she was kind of crying to uh, to elicit sympathy or to backpedal out of something that she got into that wasn't she wasn't comfortable with later, she decided. That seems a little manipulative. I mean, it seems like to me yeah, that but you don't have to do it consciously. It can be. I mean, maybe you know, people act on an unco- subconscious level. Yeah, and that was sort of my point. Is is I think you know we should sort of distinguish that because I don't think you can ascribe. Oh, I'm going to mm. do this, and my tears are going to turn him off because blah. You know, sure. I, I, you know, it's probably just you're in the moment. You've had too much to drink. Mm. You you're like oh, you know, and maybe she was just sad about her ex boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, you know, it brings... I, anyways, I think it's strange that like a girl's tears and a baby's giggling uh, will turn people off. But... Nature's <laughs> an amazing thing. <laughs> you know, this brings up a really interesting point, which I just thought of while uh, we were discussing this. And have you have you ladies ever laughed so hard that you cried? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lauren's in, in pain face. or what? <laughs> like something is just so funny, and you're just laughing so hard, and you know your stomach hurts, and you're just laugh you're laughing so hard you're crying. Uh, yeah, and you you know, tears come out your eye, but you're not really sad. But yes. Yeah. Exactly. So I was wondering if though you know, I, I've had that experience before and found it to be a great like bonding experience with the person I was laughing with. And I imagine if that happened with a, a partner, then it would be a a big turn on, you know, to be to bond in that way and to feel that closeness. So I wonder if those tears have something different in them biochemically or <laughs> oh, that's yeah. interesting. or if you just get onion and onion juice in your oh. eyes is that different too that's a great well, point. how did they make how did they how did they stimulate tear production in the study i mean would they do they really get an emotional cry they from, said they from, had the was women that part of the requirement of the study yes they said the women were watching a sad movie and if they cried then they would uh, collect their tears yeah I wonder what I movie they were yeah, me too. The Notebook. <laughs> I remember. I remember learning that they that that they. I remember because I am a. I have a science background, mm-hmm. and I remember that that um, they they did some investigations as to whether the compounds in uh, in an emotional cry and just a teary teary dyed cry, you know, like something from onions, mm-hmm. if they're any different. And I I'm pretty sure I remember they they were. There was no detectable difference. Oh, huh. really? I, yeah. I feel like I read something where, and I thought it was in this study, because when Stephanie said it was saline in the other one, I was, yeah. I'd, I, you know, and I'd, I read so much that I don't specifically remember, but I remember sort of, I'd, the thing I remembered about the study was that it was two types of tears. Like, it was there were two types of tears? Yeah, that the one was like an emotional tear and the other one was, you know, I don't know if it was a cry on demand, like a after huh. kind of tear or a... I see. Um, but or there's a cat hair in my eye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In that case, there would be cat hair in it. <laughs> that, that would smell different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Any other thoughts tonight, Hot Rod? No, that's, that's it. All right. Thank you so much for calling right. us. And uh, very interesting. You know, pheromones are kind of a pet topic of mine. I also have a science background. We'll talk a little bit more about this when we return and possibly other subjects that relate a lot more to liberty. This is She Talk Live. You should give us a call at 603-435-1105. We'll make you laugh so hard you're going to (laughs) cry. She Talk Live.
Talk Live. Welcome back. Can you smell our pheromones? <laughs> Coming through the radio. <laughs> oh, we're getting a little bit wild in the studio tonight. This is Stephanie here with you. And Lauren. And Carla. Yes, and we thank you so much for your attention this evening. If you would like to call us and talk to us about pheromones or liberty or whatever else is on your mind, uh, you can call us at 603-435-1105. Have we got smell vision on the, uh, the, the cam tonight? <laughs> smell vision that's right. Actually, if Scratch you... Scratch and sniff. <laughs> <laughs> Don't try that on your laptop. You might damage it. <laughs> but actually, if you do go to the cam uh, right now at cam.freetalklive.com, or I believe on lrn.fm, there's also a link to the cam feed, uh, you'll see... A special Easter egg that Lauren has brought to the studio just for us. (laughs) A little message on her computer just for you. So uh, anyway, ladies, we've been having a fun night so far uh, this evening. Isn't that right? We have talked about laughing, crying, and uh, started a little discussion about pheromones, which are a very interesting subject to me. But I think we'll hold on off on that because we've got some important liberty topics to discuss. And we've also got a call coming in. We were planning to talk about uh, kind of the state of the Free State Project and also the utility of Facebook as a activism tool. But uh, but first, let's go to this call. She Talk Live, you're on the air. Who's this? She Talk Live, who's this? Can you hear me? Hi, is it me? Yes. Hi, this is She Talk Live. Who's this? I'm I'm Zach. Uh, I wanted to talk about this um, online ID the Obama's imposing on. I'm not familiar with this. Uh, Carla's nodding her head. I think she's heard about it. But can you give us a brief summary, Jax? Yeah, um, there's not too much out on it right now. But basically, Obama just wants uh, not not mandatory, but a uh, that you can get it if you want IDs that, to prove that you are who you are online. Yeah, I think it's called the Unique Internet for All Americans. Um, it's, oh, that's a chilling name. Uh, it gets way more chilling. I just read very briefly about this because I think the information only came out, or I, the first thing I saw was on Friday. But basically, it's um, so this is what the Gooferman is saying. They're saying <laughs> it's not going to be a driver's license. Of course, it's not going to be a papers policing. Yes, of course, it's voluntary in the same way our. Taxes are voluntary. They and, didn't feel too voluntary to me. <laughs> well, exactly. And so I think it's a horrifying subject, and I'm really glad you brought it up. Yeah. What? Yeah. What? I think. Go ahead, Jackson. I think it's. I think it's uh, going to become more or less. Uh, you have to have it really quick because I think websites uh, will probably start to just require it exactly. as a way of. Uh, yeah. It'll become sort of like your internet social security number. And it's, they're talking about actually issuing a card that could verify, you know, you're a human being. But I mean, when you look at it from, from the sort of back end or from a liberty perspective, of course, the things we know is it's a way to control us. It takes away the anonymity of the internet, which can, of course, be good and bad, but. You know, and, and this would be presumably under the guise of stopping terrorists and kitty porn and all that. Yeah, right? and and they started when they started with the idea. They originally, you know, they floated it in the Department of Homeland Security. They floated it in another sort of more security based agency. Who knows? One of the alphabet soups. <laughs> and what they've done now is they've actually kicked it to the Department of Commerce, 
which from, you know, from the government standpoint is a smart thing to do because now they're making it look like it's a business mm. thing. That's very sc- creepy, scary, interesting. Lauren, did you have any thoughts on this? Um, well, they it's easy to get control of businessmen because businessmen always have to be out in the open and they can't, uh, it's, they can't, it's hard for them to go underground. They have to be out there for the customers to find them. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. and you're always there, they're always there uh, available for, you know, uh, collecting taxes in some states yeah. and, you know, IDing people. And they do all, they do all kinds of uh, uh, work for the government. Or Yeah, the, they become these basically unpaid agents of the state, right? right. Actually, Lauren, I mean, this this is something that I know that the, the issue of um, at least freedom to travel, right, right, without asking the government permission, so not getting a driver's license, mm-hmm. has at least been an important issue to you in the past because you've done some really cool civil disobedience on that. That's right. I don't have a driver's license and I've gotten stopped and arrested for for just, you know, not having a driver's license at, at times. Wow. And it obviously you weren't uh, being unsafe as a driver, right? I've seen the videos and it looked like you were driving pretty safely to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, they did stop me for speeding, so uh, I suppose... As, Five miles I'm an as, hour over? Right. <laughs> I'm, that's as unsafe as uh, everyone else on the road, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. You're going with the flow of traffic. So, I mean, what what do you think about this? It's I'm not too familiar with this internet ID thing, but just on its face, it sounds awful. So how do you think, Lauren, that we could, uh, we could resist this? <laughs> um... I have a lot of faith in the the uh, the hacker uh, yep. community. I'm yep. sure that <laughs> if the government brings up something that you have to do, they'll find a way to get around it. But uh, mm-hmm. it could be like I don't know, harder and harder for regular people to to bypass the identification uh, part of their computer or whatever. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like. Yeah, I'm I, I'm not sure yet, and I don't think they even know at this stage. But they're just sort of floating the idea. So, I so think now is the time to uh, vocally need, oppose it, yes. right? I mean, I think we need to really get the word out and to start to just make a you know a humongous stink about it. Yeah, Jax, what are what are your thoughts? Do you plan on opposing this in any way, or what do you plan to do? Uh, I don't think there's there's nothing much I can do. I don't live in a the free state I'm here in Southern California, so well, not it's not the free yet. state of New Hampshire yet, but uh, and we're... also it's it's you know this is a federal issue, yeah, and so you know certainly you know we'll be we'll be pushing back here locally in our own thing, but it sounds like one of those campaigns that should just be national, and people should start writing letters, they should start talking to people, they should be calling into talk shows, talking yeah. about it much like you just did. And I would think a letter to the editor would be much more effective than a letter to a, a Congress yes. <laughs> person. I, I never participate in that anymore. <laughs> but uh, I do send the occasional stinky letter to them, and sometimes do you I publish them with pheromones. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice, oh. Jax. Is, is there anything else on your mind tonight, or? No, oh, that's it. Thank you. Thank you for calling. We we definitely appreciate the alert to that. So. Uh, yeah, so if we don't want our Congress people to reproduce, right, we just to cry all over the letters we send to them. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a good plan. I like that idea. I think we should make that a campaign. <laughs> but I don't think bureaucracy is uh, sexually transmitted. So I don't know. They could still recruit other other people into their growing ranks. Isn't it something like uh, 52% of people now work for government at some level, local, mm-hmm. state, or federal? That's Scary. the last number Scary, I heard. Yeah. Yeah, yes, we are. indeed. So the parasites are now more than the productive. Yeah. And so, you know, we're at the tipping point. 
I yes. mean, I, you know, I hate to say it, but it's decline of the American empire game on point one zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At a certain point, you know, if there's a tick that's, you know, sucking off of a dog's blood or something like that, and it gets so big that the dog can't walk anymore, then something's bound to happen, you know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, if you would like to give us your thoughts on any of these issues that we've been discussing, or if you want to hear more about pheromones, <laughs> hint, hint, this is a pet topic of mine. I'm very interested in this, but <laughs> uh, you can call us at 603-435-1105 and give us your thoughts Uh now, ladies, we had a couple of other issues that we definitely wanted to get to. And one of them uh, was an interesting topic that was um, brought up by Lauren and actually I think does relate a lot to liberty as well as sort of interpersonal relationships and living our own lives. And that is the the balance between uh, – well, Lauren, do you want to you tell us more about that? I think you can articulate it better than me. Ah, okay. Um, well, you know how um – Bertram Russell um, had this way of talking that uh, he says uh, the three um, uh, persons, when you're conjugating a verb, you would say something like, um, I am cautious, but you are fearful and he is cowardly. And <laughs> yeah, right. And then so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So and uh, I was wondering what the difference between being I mean, who's cautious and who's foolhardy and what's really the difference between the two or. Yeah, that's a great question, and I think it actually does relate to activism, uh, the type of activism that people engage in. We can talk about more uh, more on this topic. Give us your thoughts. Give us a call, 603-435-1105. This is She Talk Live. We'll be back with more. This is She Talk Live. Welcome back. We are so happy to have you joining us tonight. We are producing some great liberty-oriented content for you to pour directly into your brain, (laughs) talking about all kinds of fascinating issues tonight. And if you would like to give us a call and lend your thoughts to the discussion, call us at 603-435-1105 and bring up whatever is on your mind. From uh, pheromones to women in liberty to... Uh, risk-taking and foolhardiness versus caution. Uh, this is Stephanie here with you, and I've got my two lovely co-hosts in the studio. Uh, here's Lauren <laughs> and Carla. <laughs> yes, and we are having a blast already. So uh, in the last segment before we went to break, we started to discuss sort of what's the difference between being uh, cautious and being stupid. Is that an accurate uh, summary? <laughs> well, if you can be cautious, but if you're too cautious, right, what happens to you? You end up um, sitting in a basement somewhere, sipping orange juice and, you know, <laughs> afraid for sunlight to hit you. Yeah. That's a little too cautious, right? <laughs> yeah. Or you're a vampire. <laughs> you could be a vampire. How do you know if you're a vampire? I don't know. I don't know either. You I, like blood. <laughs> you like blood, yeah. You, you find yourself biting random people on the neck. <laughs> And you're dressed in all black. <laughs> um, and so the other other side of this, the coin is um, if you're if you don't go out of the house, you know, um, I mean, some people would think, oh, you can't go outside. Um, things might happen to you. A meteor, a meteor might hit you. I don't know. It's, a piano but, might fall on your head. But most people do go outside and do drive cars and do things that are dangerous. Mm-hmm. And and that's how they live their life. And they, they wouldn't be able to live their life if they didn't do these things. So what what actually is cowardly what is actually you know you know suicidal or reckless yeah that's so interesting and immediately when you you were saying that lauren i thought of the people who consider 
Okay, that was an interesting noise. <laughs> <laughs> the people who consider themselves uh, survivalists and they kind of stock up a lot of food and get, you know, guns and ammo and cigarettes and alcohol to trade in case the SHTF proverbially and, <laughs> you know. Stuff hits the fan. For, yes, the stuff uh, yeah. hits the fan. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I have a, uh, my partner always says, um, you know, in an SHTF scenario, this was what would happen. And <laughs> he calls it that. But anyway, um, so yeah, the, the people that stock things up and, you know, like uh, Sam is going, moving to Texas and building this, um, this, this house that's really well prepared in case a disaster strikes and you know, he's got all this food saved up. And sometimes I kind of wonder, you know, should I be stockpiling food? I mean, I have, you know, I have money. I have some food. Uh, I- yes, would be my answer. You yes. should. Yeah. I Do mean, you stock food? Yes. And water and, and water. guns and ammo and, you know. You never know. I think it's just, um, I think cautiousness um, or it's just smart if you don't, in in, in a survivalist scenario, mm-hmm. I'm saying now. And, and it's one of those things um, where for me, it's, it's I find it, it makes me anxious because we're planning for. S- yeah, H- that's another TF aspect to whatever it. Whatever the hell it was. The zombie apocalypse. Uh, for the zombie. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Speaking language I can speak to. <laughs> so if the zombie apocalypse happens, you want to be prepared, you know. But on the other hand, making those preparations sort of feeds into some form of paranoia. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know it. I would think it would be great if you, you know, you could stock up these things and then you could gain a sense of psychological freedom. Yes. Like, okay. Oh, that's the, that's the test. If you actually feel better after you've stored some or if you just get more anxious. Yeah. Well, obviously it's paranoia or and, something else is going on. And actually, I, I sort of, I, I'm glad we're talking about this because I, you know, I wrote a blog about this maybe two years ago oh, where right. I just um, talked about, you know, um, where can the listeners uh, read that if they were interested? Uh, I forget where uh, you could probably just look for surreal Polichek S U R R E A L P O L C H I C K. Oh my! Oh my God! Um, but I think it was called uh, the. I think it might, when the zombies come. Yeah, that's what what it was called. So it was actually the zombie apocalypse. It that was. was the name of uh, the Halloween party in our area of yes. New Hampshire as well. The zombie apocalypse. Um, you could put a clothespin on somebody, and then you'd get to put zombie makeup on them. <laughs> it was a lot of fun, and that was actually a survivalist game. I mean, the mm. whole idea throughout the evening was you needed to pay attention and not get pegged by a zombie but it was also a fascinating social experiment because at some stage we had more than 50 percent of the party and let's say there were like 80 people 100 people sure um more than half of the party had become zombies and it actually changed the entire tenor because up to that time people were all like hey we humans are the majority and silly (laughs) zombies and then the zombies started taking over and people started coming to me and asking can you zombify me? I don't want to be, I don't want to be human anymore. I, I don't want to be. I want to make sure I fit in here. But, Joining the dark side. Wow. <laughs> but I think it's a very important uh, point. Whoever said that we should, um, once you are prepared, you kind of need to let it go. You need to go, I'm as prepared as I yeah. can be. You know, I have my bug out bag. I have my whatever. And yeah. then sort of go... Um, you know, I think it's the sort of same mentality as a lot of people who open carry or who conceal mm-hmm. carry or people who carry weapons because for them, they're saying, I'm probably never going to use my gun, but 
if I need it, I have it. And that's peace of mind. Yeah. yeah. In a sense. Yeah. I mean, I could kind of see it from both angles. Like in one sense, it may seem like no matter how much water I stockpile and no matter how much food I have, it, it's kind of never enough. You know, you can you can never be too prepared. Right. But then on on the other hand, it's kind of like, well, if I have five sacks of grain or whatever. <laughs> I don't know what you would have. But, you know, if I have so much stuff, then okay, that's a point that satisfies me that I could survive on this for one season, like long enough to start growing some more of my own food or something right. like that. I don't know. I mean, well, I know that when I grew, tried to grow, grow food two seasons ago during the summer, I got one tomato. <laughs> Gold star. <laughs> arf, arf, arf. <laughs> okay, that was the requisite gold star. Every she talk live, yeah. we have to have one. <laughs> We've gotten it out of the way. I don't know. Uh, how much is too much when it comes to being prepared? Call us 603-435-1105. Uh, I'm sorry, Lauren, I interrupted you. I forgot what I was going to say. I'm, but, <laughs> no, that's disappointing. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, but sort of to circle back to the idea of um, sort of foolhardiness versus cowardice versus, you know, because we, we did sort of go off on the, the survivalist tangent. Yes. But just sort of in, in life in general, I think it, it boils down to people's comfort zone because one person's reckless is another person's everyday life. Yeah, it is. It is sort of arbitrary in a sense but what determines that is it early experiences or childhood or is it genetic you know it, it, uh, speculation they, talk live yeah exactly. <laughs> well actually they did just isolate a um a gene that i i think they called it the immigrant gene and this is actually a subject i'm quite interested in this as, is as an immigrant and mm. you know I, I i like to think crazy thoughts and then i like it when someone else thought about it and actually studied it as opposed to just having whacked out theories, which is more where I'm coming from. But um, I had said to to Louis, to my husband years ago when we immigrated, you know, our forefathers immigrated to South Africa because they were moving away from religious persecution in Europe. Mm -hmm. So the Dutch and the French. So they went to South Africa. Didn't work out so well there in the end. Um, We decided to come here and I was curious to know, does that mean that that would be a level of a person who's more of a risk taker? Because it kind of, you know, mm. it takes a lot of nerve to be like, screw you country and jump on a boat and spend, you know, six months on a boat and go somewhere. Yeah. And they just did a study where I think they isolated that and they say it is true. Oh, and that's fascinating. I think that everyone who moves as a free stater to New Hampshire are the new pioneers they are the new immigrants we're being persecuted we're choosing to go to a place where we believe we can be more free Mm, yeah i have to agree with that i I was going to say even becoming a liberty activist could be considered analogous in some sense to that the whole immigrant phenomenon because you're kind of moving into a realm where in some cases it's it's difficult to go back right it's like once you have your name out there and you've been you know has these these ideas that are absolutely not crazy, but maybe considered crazy by some people who have just been in this culture for so long. Um, you know, there's a certain thing that's that's kind of attached to you forever. And there's a piece of you uh, that's kind of involved in this lifestyle that, I don't know. And it is sort of I an mean, element of risk. It's and, and it's that idea of taking the red pill. It's, yes. it's very hard once you take it. I mean, I do sometimes, I have to say, in my darker days, I'll be like, oh, why did I take the red pill? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but 
you you can't go back. And I I haven't heard of I don't know if you ladies have, but um, most people once you get into this mindset, when you see the world for what it is, you you can't go back. How do you? Yeah, I I agree. Lauren, do you have any quick thoughts about this? Uh, just no. I, you can't go back. I mean, it's like you look at that lifestyle that you had before, and you're going, no, and I cannot go back. That's that's not what I can't live that way anymore. Yeah, taking the red pill here on She Talk Live. Give us a call six zero three four three five eleven zero five. Give us your thoughts. Are you glad you took the red pill? We'll be back. This is She Talk Live. Welcome back. You're joining us again, and we are so thrilled to have you listening tonight. I am your host, Stephanie. And this is Lauren. And Carla. Yes. Thank you, ladies, for joining me tonight. Once again, I do appreciate this, and we always have such a good time. Now, in the first hour, we covered a lot of ground. We were talking about uh, emotions, laughter, tears, uh, risk-taking, the immigrant gene, all kinds of fascinating subjects. But we do, uh, to start off the second hour, we have a call on the line. I have no idea who this is, so we're just going to put him on air. She Talk Live, who's this? Hi, this is David. I'm in Keene. Hi, David. Uh, what's on your mind tonight? I was just going to like do like a heads-up type of thing. Sure. They're having a protest down in uh, Greenfield having to do with um, the court date for... Um, the liberty activists that like drive Marv and stuff around town. Yeah, so they're this, having their court date tomorrow. Yes, and thank you, David, for uh, for letting us uh, giving us an in to talk about this. I guess um, the liberty activists who drive Marv are Pete Ayer and Adam Miller from uh, Liberty, or formerly of Liberty on Tour, and you can visit their website libertyontour.com and I believe they even have a special section that details what happened to them in Greenfield, Massachusetts. And uh, uh, Dave, David, are you familiar with what happened to them? Uh, or should I give a recap of it real quick? Oh, I'm, I'm familiar with it, but maybe there are people in the area and stuff and maybe in Greenfield or anywhere that might want to go see it or find out more about it. Yes, they, they're having a trial tomorrow for I believe it's uh, several different felony charges, uh, but mostly they stem from them kind of, uh, you know, not being obedient to authority, I guess you could say. They were filming the police when they went to pick up a friend that they were bailing out of jail. And then their RV, I believe, was basically ransacked, illegally searched uh, under some very the flimsiest of pretenses. And uh, they found some items in there that uh, they didn't like, um, which would be perfectly acceptable and legal in uh, New Hampshire, but in Massachusetts were apparently not. So they've thrown a bunch of charges on them. They've uh, Pete and Adam have already lost uh, at least a night of their time and probably a lot more dealing with all this legal stuff by being thrown in a cage for the, for the evening. Uh, so that's very unfortunate. And if anyone would like to go support them, um, go to libertyontour.com. I believe it's slash Greenfield, and you can see all the details, including stuff about the court date there. Uh, was there anything else on your mind, David? Yep, that's all there. And cop lock, it's on cop lock, too. And um, right. one of the charges that they had against them was that the filming of the, of the police turned, it's it's one of those ones where they call it a, um, they equate it with wiretapping or something, and they turn it into a yes. felony. Yes, felony wiretapping. <laughs> Carla has some experience with that. I, I do, yeah. yes. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah, and maybe we can uh, discuss that a little bit more, but... Uh, 
Thank yeah. you so much, David, for um, giving listen. us. Thank you. Yes, thanks for the call tonight. Uh, and so, as Lauren alluded to, Carla does have some unfortunate experience with felony wiretapping charges. Do you want to fill us in a little bit more, Carla? Uh, sure. I, I got arrested last March. I can't believe it's almost a year ago um, for filming a police officer while he was in public executing his public duties as a servant of us, the public. Oh, you're dangerous. <laughs> and he, um, yeah, so I, I mean, I was initially arrested for disobeying an officer, which as we all know is um I mean, is the, the only true crime in America? Only true crime <laughs> contempt is of cop? contempt of cop. Exactly. And um, I was very fortunate uh, in, in New Hampshire. The wiretapping statute that I was charged under carries a seven year prison sentence. And Oof. I was quite lucky that when I went to trial, they dropped all of the charges against me. Um, we had a little fun that day in court because I wanted my day in court. I think it's very important if we could get a positive precedent. I find it very hard if we took this issue to a jury or even to a judge that under, you know, First Amendment protections, they would say, no, it is now illegal in America to film police officers in public. Um, so when they dropped the charges, we filed a motion the same day to try to reinstate the charges so that we could go. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, come come back and get me. Put the handcuffs back on. <laughs> and, um, and, and that was a lot of fun because they, you know, the uh, I call her a persecutor, but the prosecutor yeah. <laughs> um, did not know what to do with that. And in fact, she was leaving the building with the police officer who was in his suit and not with his other, you know, blue clown fellow clowns. And... Um, <laughs> And was very meek and mild. You know, he's a, he's a youngish guy. I think he's actually reachable. I'm, I'm trying to think about ways I can open a dialogue and a conversation mm. with him, but he couldn't look me in the eye. And I was like, dude, mm. I'm going to give you the stink eye for like, you know, the whole time we were there, I was just staring at him and he would look around and up and down and he just couldn't look me in the eye till the persecutor actually said, would you stop staring at my client? And I was like, what push, are we? Push like, her button. <laughs> are we on the playground? Yeah. And that, that really says something. <laughs> yeah. You know, someone cannot even look you in the eye. They They have to know. They're feeling something inside that says, right. hey, this is not right. Right. <laughs> and uh, and that's why I think, you know, um, I, certainly some of the officers I met that night, um, you know, I would not want to meet again in a dark alley because I met them in a dark alley because they took me <laughs> out behind the police and station. And chained you and to a pole for three hours. Chained me to man. a pole for three hours. Yeah. And, you know, took me behind the police station and threatened me um, once they were releasing Sheesh. me. That makes me but, um But I think this this kid, I think he is someone, you know, that... One of the ideas I've sort of been kicking around and, um, you know, we like to talk about liberty and activism and we have Lauren here who, you know, I have so much admiration for um, is to maybe put together some kind of police symposium where we invite all the police officers in New Hampshire to a, you know, to a place and just say, let's open the dialogue so that you guys mm. can start to understand where we're coming from. We're not just trying to push your buttons. We're trying to make you see the light. Ooh, I sound all preachy. No, no, I like that idea. I actually like that idea a lot because it's so, you know, there's a lot of emphasis on don't talk to the police. And that may be fine and good to protect yourself in a situation where you're being actively threatened by them. Exactly. But outside of that kind of situation, I think not talking to them can actively be harmful because then they have no idea where you're coming from and so they assume that you're some crazy bomb throwing 
quote unquote anarchist who just wants to destroy things and, you know, isn't um, amenable to any kind of rules in society. And so in, in reality, that's not the case at all. And it's important to open up that dialogue. And conversely, you know, liberty activists may think all cops are out to brutalize people. They're all just abusers. And that may be somewhat of a stereotype, too. Um, there are a lot of cops that probably went into their profession because they believed that they were helping people. They wanted to do something that would benefit others. I mean, yeah. I, I do think they sometimes and, and certainly in my case with my cop, um, rookie, as I like to call him. I mean, he's young. You know, I, I, I don't, you know, he didn't look a day older than 19. So let's say he was 22, right? Uh-huh. Um, I, you know, I did some research on him and he sounded like a good kid. He built uh, a community baseball court in his town mm-hmm. by doing fundraising and car washes and a voluntary sort of thing. And that's, that's why I say someone like that probably still reachable. You've mm-hmm. been on the force 15 years. You are the the D bag, the jack boot, <laughs> <laughs> the fart head. <laughs> that um, that you know that that those stereotypes come from. But you know the other idea was um, I saw I, I don't know if everyone saw this, but there was uh, Chris Lawless had been to uh, some big Liberty meeting in the Hellmouth in Washington. Hellmouth. <laughs> And um, and he he got all these really great endorsements for the Free State Project from like all these you know great people, and one of them was Sheriff Mack, who I have a lot of admiration for as well. You know he's he you know the sheriffs are sort of the last stand. They're supposed to they're the real um, our real localized police, and there are sheriffs still in New Hampshire. And and I thought you know maybe if we can't do it with the policemen, maybe we can reach out to our our sheriffs because they are they are the supreme um i think they're the supreme power if the feds ever rolled in the huh. sheriffs are allowed to say you don't have jurisdiction here it's like some weird antiquated something i see i don't like any kind of supreme power but uh, oh, well but <laughs> yeah, by, I know, I know. by their rules you know? I know what you mean. <laughs> all right we're going to get into this more i still want to see what lauren thinks about uh the this conference you know to get liberty activists and police together If you have some thoughts on this, give us a call at 603-435-1105 and let us know what you think. This is She Talk Live. We'll be back. This is She Talk Live. Welcome back. We're so happy to have you joining us this evening. You should give us a call at 603-435-1105 if you want to let us know what your thoughts are. Once again, that number is 603-435-1105. You can also watch us on the CAM at cam.freetalklive.com. And with you tonight, this is Stephanie. And Lauren. And Carla. Yay! (laughs) Great. So, okay, it's been so long, um, and I got distracted during the break because we had a visitor in the studio. But uh, what were we even talking about last segment? <laughs> uh, uh, Carla's um, encounter with the uh, wiretapping charges and... Yes. Oh, the police symposium idea, yeah, which it. we wanted Lauren's feedback on. Yeah. Can So before we get um, Lauren's thoughts on that, can you give a quick recap, Carla? Because it was your idea. 
Well, one of the things I've been mulling over is sort of from an activism standpoint is how to do things more efficiently and better. Yes. And, you know, I'm all for civdis. I go to the 420 rallies. I've been arrested. I have my dog tag. Thank you, Karen. <laughs> you know, like, uh, you know, I've earned my stripes. But sometimes I'm not sure if just antagonizing and poking the bear is, is the best way to go about things. I think it has its role and I think it's very important. And I'm not dissing civdis at all. Mm. But... So because of that sort of idea, I was like, okay, maybe if we start to reach out, because for me, being in New Hampshire has become about localism. It's about my neighbors. It's mm. about my community. It's about my free stater community, but it's also the greater community. And there are a lot of people in New Hampshire that are one step away from being convinced. They're not the cops, but I think maybe the cops would be a good place for us to reach out, to at least sit down. And I think it could be a real media opportunity. So the yes, idea would be that's the other to thing. write them letters, to let newspapers and media outlets know. Mm-hmm. We hire a ballroom somewhere. You know, we let's say there are 800 you know, police stations. I don't, I don't even know. I haven't looked into it other than sort of having the idea. So we invite them and we say we want to have this open dialogue. If they don't show up, it's a win. If they do show up, it's a win. <laughs> yeah, and we still get to do outreach either way, right? Exactly. And if they uh, hand- handcuff us all and t- take us out, it's also a win. <laughs> I don't <Exactly>. know. About- <laughs> as long as it's on film. Yes. Yeah. They're going to have to take Lauren out on a wheelchair right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but that's an interesting idea because uh, when you think about people who want to be policemen, they're usually... they're. they're they're like a little bit more brave than regular people. They're a little bit more want to be a hero than a regular person. They're a little bit more, um, you know, interested in doing the right thing than a regular person. They would be perfect for uh, for. I mean, they're feeding right into our our thing because that's we're telling them. Yeah, this is what's uh, really brave. This is what's really virtuous. Exactly. I, I think they would be an excellent uh, audience. Yeah, and I mm-hmm. think that um, you know I think good could come of it and. As I said, you know, even if they don't engage with us, then, you know, that that is a way for us to say, I mean, that becomes a media talking point. You know, Stephanie, I talk a lot on the show about communication, propaganda, yeah. you know, and I think there's a need within the Free State Project to sort of um, do some oh, serious God, PR. Saw, yeah. That gets really mainstream. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> do you agree, Lorna? And I think there should be some sort of visual thing that we we do that. Um, oh, I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm just brainstorming here, but like the she talk live cam. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, we should definitely film stuff. We could, you know, we could even show them the OTN clips and um, stuff like that. And and I think just really opening the the dialogue and sort of saying, look, you know, we think we know you guys think we're, you know. Just a bunch of crazy anarchists who want to destroy the world as we know it. But <laughs> um, but if we open that dialogue, we're probably not going to win them all over, but at least they're going to think twice every time some issue comes up. It may be a humanizing element, too, exactly. because part of the way that military and police and all the people who work in government uh, justify or enable themselves to do the kind of aggression that they often do is by thinking of the people that they're doing it to as other, you know, they're, um, they're not the same as me. They're not really a human being, right? They're another race as in wars, you know, Mm -hmm. foreign wars. They're another religion as in other, another concept of war. 
um, oh, they're an anarchist. They're not like me at all. I'm a police. I'm an upstanding member of society. I, I, this person is a is a crazy. You know. Right. So if they don't think of us that way, then uh, I think it goes a long way in in how uh, we get treated. Um, so we do have a call on the line. Should we should we take this call? Very excited. Who is here? <laughs> <laughs> you never know who it's going to be on She Talk Live. Who's this? This is uh, She Talk Live. You're on the air. Hi there. This is Clyde calling from Keene. Hi, Clyde. Uh, what's you? on your mind tonight? Yeah, I was just uh, calling to remind people about the trial tomorrow, uh, Massachusetts in Greenfield against uh, aggression against Adam Miller and Pete Ayer, and see if we could get generate some uh, support to come down and uh, attend the trial. Absolutely. Thank you for the reminder. We actually did even have another caller, so they have uh, they have quite a fan club here in Keene. <laughs> so, Clyde, what would be like the ideal thing happening tomorrow that you could think of? Well, the ideal thing would be to uh, pack the courtroom with people, supporters, to let the government know that they can't get away with this. Type How about of if they all had cameras, too? People, what? People. Uh, if they and all, if had, they cameras? all had cameras? It would be great, great <laughs> as well, yes. And if they all were yeah. sitting on their bums rather than standing up, right? <laughs> right. And uh, I think it starts about 8.45, so get there about 8.15, 8.30 would be great. Uh, we do have some T-shirts, um, no wow. victim, no crime T-shirts with Liberty on tour on back. So we'll get as many people as possible wearing those. Very interesting. All right, Clyde, is there anything else on your mind tonight? That's it. Just wanted to uh, get as many people as possible out. All right, thank you so I much for the meeting at yeah, I believe we're meeting at 7.30 in the morning to head out. Sounds great. And we certainly do wish them the best of luck. We will certainly be thinking of them tomorrow as they face uh, their aggressors. But, uh, you know, I have high hopes for this. I think it's going to work out well for them. I don't have a problem going on record saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again, Clyde, for the call. I right, do you. appreciate it. And uh, if you would like to call us and give us a third reminder about this trial or... <laughs> Or if you would like to just lend your thoughts to the discussion, uh, give us a, a ring. 603-435-1105 is our number. And uh, we were getting back to the discussion about some uh, ideas that Carla had for outreach. And, uh, you know, maybe we should move on to a different topic now. We've had some really interesting thoughts on the show so far tonight, uh, you know, ba- about tactics, basically, of liberty activism, right? Um, what's what's foolish, what's uh, <laughs> kind of throwing yourself on the gears in order to stop the machine <laughs> was another idea that came out of what uh, Lauren brought up earlier. But there's a question like, um, back 20 or 30 years ago, if people had made a big fuss about, um, you know, police uh, stopping people uh, for no apparent reason or, you know, asking for ID or having you having to obey police no matter what, mm-hmm. um, wouldn't it be easier now that, mm-hmm. I mean, it would have been mm-hmm. easier 30 years ago to change those things, right? Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and so people wouldn't, didn't do it, though, because people are comfortable. They like, you know, going, getting along and going along and not making a confrontation. But mm-hmm. was that really the, the best thing to do? What, would it have been better if they had, you know? Yeah, in the long run. How in the long run. Exactly. Wouldn't it have been easier for them to be a little bit braver back then? She Talk Live. We're coming back with more. You should give us a call. We'll be back.
This is She Talk Live. We're so happy that you've joined us again. We're back for another segment packed with fun. <laughs> this is... We're full of win and awesome and full of LOL and full of laugh out loud and cry out loud. And, <laughs> and totally... our tears will not turn you off. <laughs> <laughs> and total emotion. Yes. Hi on She Talk Live. Exactly. That was a great introduction. I really like that. I got that from, uh, ever listened to Thinking Liberty, the another podcast on LRN.FM. Oh. There's this guy, uh, Darian, who always opens up the show with all this... Jank- bombast. Yeah, his, they call it bombast. <laughs> That's right. a, a really enthusiastic uh, introduction. <laughs> and I liked it, so. Is there a more feminine version of bombast? Uh, uh, bra padding? No, wait. Uh, <laughs> Bra past? <laughs> oh. Bromance. Something. Um, I'll think about that. Bombast? Yes. Okay. If you have a suggestion, you can give us a call at 603-435-1105. Once again, that's 603-435-1105. And there was something that we wanted to uh, discuss. Um, we had talked about this before the show, ladies. And that was kind of uh, where things are in the Free State Project. You know, a lot of people are out there and they're looking at maybe the recent cancellation of the Liberty Forum. And for those who are newbies and maybe aren't aware of this, the Free State Project is an organization that exists to bring 20,000 liberty-loving individuals to one state. And that happened to be New Hampshire, the the arbitrary geographically designated border <laughs> of New Hampshire. <laughs> so they want 20,000 people who are interested in freedom to move there and do whatever they want, basically, in order to achieve a freer society. Is that an accurate description? I think I got it. Yep. It sounds right. Okay. Uh, and it's, you know, it's been described as basically like a bus. It's it's a vehicle to get people there. And then once they get there, whatever they do is up to them. Uh, and they, you know, the Free State Project itself as an organization doesn't, do too much except encourage people to move but they do have two events every year that they sponsor and kind of host i guess you could say which are liberty forum in the winter which is kind of a more convention style thing with speakers and pork fest in the summer which is a camping event and it's super fun it is super fun (laughs) Actually, they've both been super fun. Yeah, I mean, I love Liberty Forum, too. I did not love the $250 cleaning fee I got because <sighs> someone smoked a blunt in my hotel room. Oh, <laughs> who would that have been? <laughs> who would do such a thing? <laughs> However, oh yeah, Liberty Forum kicks ass and, and very sad to not have it happen this year. But it's an opportunity, you know, that makes yeah. Pork Fest bigger and better. I mean, you know, Curtis and I, oh, last year, Curtis is sort of... Uh, my right-hand man who took over, and um, I was allowed to keep my title of Queen Quill, and he is Soviet Curtis, so I guess we're going to go through all kinds of... Soviet? Soviet Curtis. He, that's what he said. You know, I was like, well, you can be a prince. You can't be a king. <laughs> <laughs> so he decided to go with an entirely uh, different ranking system. Um, but yeah, so I think Porkfest is going to be a really great opportunity, but... Well, and if you haven't seen Carla in her porcupine quill uh, tiara, then you've really missed a lot. Aww. Absolutely. You have to see it in person. You have to be close enough to get possibly poked. Possibly that's, poked, yes. That's part of the thrill. Yeah, that's part of the thrill of it. The thrill of the quill. I know. <laughs> Our new motto. Exactly. Uh, I think that was a double LOL. <laughs> that was an ROFL, actually. LMOA. <laughs> 
A-O. Oh, God. I have laughed. Something. Laugh my L-M-O-A-O. Yes. Oh. Sorry. Right. Anyway, back on to the subject at hand. The Liberty Forum has been canceled this year due to, you know, a bunch of factors, low attendance. I think a lot of people have been not wanting to fly this year in particular, whereas maybe in other years past, they might not have been totally pushed to the limit on that one. I know I've sworn off flying right. personally. Um, and also, you know, the economy's tight. Everyone's budgets need a little bit of nip and tuck. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess there weren't uh, the, the organization and planning kind of in promotion wasn't really too up to snuff this year either uh, because of some new management. So a lot of things happened. And I think, Carla, you were kind of con- expressing some concern that maybe people would look at that and try to spin it as uh, a detriment or a failure or a sign of uh lagging or something in the free state project yeah i I, you know i mean people will say and you know express their opinions if nothing else you know we're we're opinionated people um but i really just wanted to talk more about sort of the positives that i've seen happen from this and one of the beauties i don't know if anyone else saw the clip but it was sort of going around on on uh, facebook earlier today and it was one of those little animation ones where someone had done a voiceover so it wasn't that annoying half robotic voice that you know that, you know says oh that the, program the Bernanke yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's um, ex- extra normal I actually did a piece on there a couple of years ago when it just came out and it's a lot of fun to I work with I remember watching that but um but they did this really little great clip on the Free State Project and one of the emphasis emphasis emphasize thank you Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> um they made is about the decentralized decentralized nature of the Free State Project. So once mm-hmm. you're on the bus and you come and you get off the bus and you're now in the Free State, people are really free to do what they want. So mm-hmm. one of the cool things I saw is up in Grafton, which is in the Upper Valley where um, Stephanie and I hail from, mm-hmm. they're they're doing just a Saturday event in that church that they bought in downtown Grafton on the same date as Liberty Forum would have been. Oh, interesting. And well, it wasn't they. It was a, it was one person who bought that who is a I believe a Free State Project participant. Um but he just bought that church. And, it and wasn't a Free State Project thing. Right. Right. It's just yeah. some guy. But right. so there are a bunch of people. So the free Grafton people, as far as I can tell, were like, hey, well, you know, maybe some people have already planned to come in or maybe some people want to drive from our surrounding states because they can't yeah. fly from California or whatnot. And they were like, well, let's just do something. We'll house people, you know, in, in the area and we'll, they're going to have a little forum of their own. And I thought cool. that was a fantastic idea. Yeah. Let them check out the area and stuff like that. Now, Lauren, I, I really want to get your take on this because I know that you've, uh, how long have you lived here in New Hampshire? Oh, uh, f- coming on five years, I think now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think uh, myself, I've been here since June 2006. So um, I think, Lauren, you were slightly before me uh, when you moved. But you've really been here since the beginning and you've been one of the most prominent uh, activists, I think, especially on the civil disobedience front. Uh, and I know that, uh, you know, for me, one of the things that inspired me and excited me to come here was the stuff that you were doing way, wow, way did, back in the day. Me too, actually. It didn't scare you away? No, no way. Well, everyone to... says it scares everybody away. No, no see, I don't know. I, you know, I, I remember being in New York and listening to Free Talk Live and being yes. like, oh my God, that's so awesome. I'm like, I want to go there. I want to stand with that woman, you know? Yeah, this, I had the same experience. I remember vividly like sitting in my college dorm room in Massachusetts and just listening to uh free talk live and 
And and Ian was saying something about Lauren got you know wheeled off in a wheelchair because she was sitting on the New London property and they they were gonna you know she was standing in front of the bulldozers and even like the homeowners were were not doing that. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, wow, that is so cool. That that woman is amazing. So uh, that was an inspiration for sure. Yeah, and uh, that's the same reason I came here because I heard about um, the people who were before me. Um, mm-hmm. Michael Fisher did the outlaw manicure, and I thought that was oh, the coolest that, thing. Yeah. And of course, if everyone had been wearing ties and giving uh, lectures and uh, having, uh, <clears throat> uh, I don't know, uh, you know, things like um, uh, lecture, le- or paying $500 for a lecture or what have oh, you, I don't yeah. think as many people would be excited about by that and be wanting to move for, for that. Sure. Yeah, I think it appeals to a kind of different segments of uh, people. And, you know, to be fair, the Free State Project is a big tent. It's yes. the <laughs> ultimate big tent, you know. Room for everyone? Yes. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I think it naturally kind of splits off into little smaller tentlets. But oh, yes, here, I have another theory. I'm going to start a war between the minarchists and the anarchists. Let's go! <laughs> Yay! No, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> there, it is a big tent, and, you know, there's room for everyone, and there's room for disagreement. We like to disagree. Yes. <laughs> no! <laughs> That's it. That's exactly the right answer. Exactly. A good way to end off the segment. If you have thoughts on this, uh, give us a call, 603-435-1105. Maybe you're one of the early movers. You want to share your experience with us. Give us a call. Let us know what you think. This is She Talk Live and we'll be back. Welcome back to She Talk Live. This is your host, Stephanie, here with you. And Lauren. And Carla. Yes, indeed. We've been talking about many different interesting topics tonight. Most recently in the last segment, uh, kind of talking about the Free State Project and changes that we've seen manifest in the past several years that we've all been here in New Hampshire, working for uh, towards you know achieving more freedom in our lives and in the lives of everyone around us, I guess, in our community, and uh, some interesting observations and some stuff that we really wanted to talk about and we'll be getting to shortly. But if you want to give us a call and give us your thoughts. Uh, pick up the phone, dial 603-435-1105. Once again, that's 603-435-1105. And, of course, you can also watch us on the cam or check out all kinds of other cool features by going to freetalklive.com. <laughs> and you may see some waving going on in the cam right now. There's a little extra incentive to tune in. <laughs> and dancing, even. <laughs> And definitely giggling. And you can Mm -hmm. even hear that if you're not watching the cams. Giggle talk live. (laughs) Yes, indeed. So uh, before the break, we were talking about kind of the Free State Project, um, what it is, what it's not, and the changes that we've seen happen over the past almost five years. Lauren Lauren has been here almost five years. I've been here four and a half. Carla, uh, how long have you been here? Three. Three years. Okay. February, three years. Yep. Right. Oh, you moved in the dead of winter, huh? I did. I moved in a blizzard and I had a welcome wagon with 12 people who unloaded my truck. That's amazing. Within an hour. In fact, they unloaded it so fast that I didn't have time to get the pizza and the beer. Everyone was calling. They're like, where are you? I'm like, I don't really know the area. (laughs) I have a 
down the pizza place. It was fantastic. Oh, by the way, we already moved you in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They had already set up the furniture and started like laying down on your bed and your couch. (laughs) Actually, it was fantastic because it was one of the, I mean, it was literally a blizzard. We had like four feet of snow or something. It was crazy. And so everyone just sort of camped out and there was another party starting at five. So no one wanted to leave. So everyone just hung out from 12 till five and then went off to the next thing. (laughs) That's a cool story. I've never heard that one before. So, okay, what I was especially interested in is getting Lauren's take on on the changes that uh, she's seen over the past few years, because we were discussing during the break. I remember that uh, when I first moved here, I used to organize these little meetups. You know, that's kind of the first spark, I guess, that gets things going. You know, people meet each other, they become friends, and then they start to plan projects. And in that sense, I think the social interactions are really important and valuable. Um, but we were just reminiscing about when we would have these things. We went to this, you know, little Japanese restaurant, Hole in the Wall, and there we were naming all the people that used to come. And uh, we were saying that, um, you know, people would come kind of from far away, like all over New Hampshire. There would be people who lived in um, in Keene and Grafton and Manchester, Seacoast, Concord, everywhere, going to this um, this meetup in in the Upper Valley area um, where I lived and. It was it was a cool experience, but as time has gone on, things have become increasingly more localized. You know, there are just so many people in each area that you really don't need to travel far to find friends or people of like mind. Um, it, Lauren, what are your thoughts? I've been blathering. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what we get paid to do here, blathering. That's why they pay us the big bucks. <laughs> that's right. Uh, well, you know, uh, back in the beginning, there was much less people. You knew everybody. There was just a handful of people that would get together. And uh, talk about crazy things like starting a newspaper. And and that happened. And that happened. And like building a house. That has happened. And that has happened too. And building, uh, you know, clubs and starting businesses. Uh, so right now, uh, it's like, wow, there's, there's so many people. I can't even remember all their names. Yeah. And, <laughs> and there's so many projects going on that uh, people have, you know, uh, branched out into different things. Some people like to build stuff. Some people like uh, the... Uh, uh, you know, writing up pamphlets and uh, mm. doing uh, things like uh, jury nullification information. Yeah. And, I, yes. And we and were then, we were going to make sure to pimp nhjury.com, uh, which is a, mm-hmm. a project that's come out of the Grafton area activists, but uh, is open to anyone. And what they're trying to do is kind of get some uh, regional contacts for doing jury outreach and uh, handing out fully informed jury information. Or, or maybe it's not actually FIJA information. It's just... Just to let jurors know that what you know, their yeah what jurors' rights are. Um, their their tagline is "Live free or nullify," <laughs> <laughs> which I love, and um, and the site looks really great. And if you are someone who does Fiji outreach, get in touch maybe with Rich Angel. You could probably find him on Facebook or or on the NH Jury website or on nhjury.com. And um, yeah, become, you know, become a little leader in a different area and build up a team. And that's one of the really biggies, I think, where we can make a change. So yeah. if uh, if you're like the only one out there in, uh, you know, Indiana or someplace with the uh, Fiji pamphlets out at the, uh, the courthouse, <laughs> uh, you know what? You'd have a big crowd of people to help you if you were in New Hampshire. Ah, yes, you would. <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> and uh, Lauren, you brought up uh, starting businesses. Uh, that was another thing you mentioned, which I think is really important for us to talk about because 
Carla, why, why don't you tell us what you were talking about during the break with the kind of visible and invisible activism? Yeah. Uh, you see, that's what I love about Stephanie. She says things in such a oh, sensible way, visible and invisible <laughs> activism. What I was saying during the really, break, it doesn't which make wasn't sense to me. at all, <laughs> is I have been hearing sort of word on the street, peeps, is um, people are saying, well, no one's getting arrested. No one's been arrested in a while. What are you guys doing? Liberty Forum got Ganza, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, first of all, if you are a listener and you haven't moved yet, why not? Please come. We need you. <laughs> um, second of all, how about th- we want to meet you? We're excited yeah. to meet your friend. <laughs> oh yes, actually, those are good ways to frame things. I just don't talk or think that way. <laughs> uh-huh. I wish I did. Because you sound like the, the more, uh, Uncle more, Sam poster. More, we need you. <laughs> yes, we need you. Um, but but honestly, I mean, we do need you, and need is actually a word of need. So you know. I guess what I'm trying to say is um, a lot of the people who are here who are sort of the first wave, and maybe we had sort of a first wave that would be Lauren. Maybe we were sort of part of the second wave. I don't know. I'm like one and a half. One and a half. <laughs> me too. Uh, me being two. Yeah, not, right. Yes. Not me, me too, agreeing. Too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so we... One, we're talking about, you know, when we think the biggest influx has been, and it's definitely ticking up. And I think, you know, things like Pork Fest, Liberty Forum, those things help people decide to move. It certainly helped me to move. Right. For instance, I'm just going to break in, Carla. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, this past Pork Fest, there were a thousand people there. I've seen over the past two years in particular, um, the rate of people moving has just really gone up exponentially up. It's literally, you think of a snowball rolling downhill, getting traction, and with each tumble, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger exponentially. Um, I don't really know where I was going with this, but it, it's been picking. And, and more people in the future. I, I There's plans for mm-hmm. other people. We, you keep hearing about more people coming in and starting a, a Thai food night or, right. yeah, or, yeah. or something else. And And that's the beauty. And so I guess the other point I wanted to make also was just that just because people aren't necessarily seeing what people are getting arrested or being in the media for whatever reason, of course, draws attention. And that can be good because, you know, it gives you a little bump. It gives you a little spike. But just because you're not necessarily seeing that stuff doesn't mean we're not working on things. We have a bunch of activist centers that have opened up. Um, that's it, huge. You know, I mean, that's a we should not understate that at all. I mean, I I never even thought of that concept. Uh, that there might be activist centers, you know, yeah, where people I, could not only socialize, but, uh, you know, brainstorm, I mean, brainstorm, do commerce, you know, that especially Grafton Gulch, trade, uh, create protest banners, yes, make <laughs> banners, come up with plans, you know, I mean, it's really, you know, that's one of the things I personally appreciate the most about being here is just being surrounded by incredibly intelligent fun people to hang out with so there really is nothing more fun than being like hey let's go make some banners i mean we spent probably an hour coming up with tsa anti-tsa slogans (laughs) before the other protests or pot slogans i mean it's a lot of fun you know when you have to boil things down and you can just bounce ideas off each other and oh my goodness carla had this list of anti-tsa like pun like slogans <laughs> that were I was like R-O-F-L-ing when I read them <laughs> and that was a group effort I mean all I really did is consolidate a lot of discussion and you know I, some of the ideas were mine 
But most of them weren't. But, you know, it was a That's what happens, though. People. When people yeah. get together, when they're smart people and, you know, they're in an environment where they know each other, they're joking, laughing, hanging out. These ideas just click and they happen. And, you know, people come together and their ideas synergize and they get better and better and better. Compare and, that to people outside of New Hampshire who are going, hey, wouldn't it be good if we like, uh, oh, I don't know, uh, 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 protested the TSA at the airport? And everyone's going, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I don't mean to minimize people doing activism in other places because they there that is happening for sure, but Which I think it's exciting too. It is exciting. Although it's just I've seen this level of synergy here in New Hampshire that I just don't think could be replicated anywhere else. It's very exciting and I'm certainly looking forward to the future. She Talk Live, you should give us a call 603-435-1105. We'll be back soon with more. This is She Talk Live. Thank you for being patient as we giggled and distracted ourselves during the break. (laughs) Uh, We're so glad you hung with us despite that little uh, interruption. But anyway, we're back and I'm your host, Stephanie. And this is Lauren. And Carla. Yes. And we're thrilled to have you listening to our show tonight. If you'd like to give us a call, please do. Our number is 603-435-1105. And one more time, that is 603-435-1105. 435-1105. And make sure you go to lrn.fm and check out the Liberty Radio Network. Not only do they feature us, but they've got a whole lineup of cool, liberty-oriented shows that you can put on in your headphones and let them flow directly into your brain. And <laughs> just let the good ideas seep in like a sponge. <laughs> it's also very entertaining. I like to listen to it while I'm at work. I have a job that kind of allows me you know, the flexibility to listen to audio during the day. So I always enjoy having that on. I also have a show, a podcast on there of my own called Pork Therapy, where we talk about relationships from a liberty-oriented perspective. So uh, check out my website, porktherapy.com. Send us a question. (laughs) And ladies, do you have anything else you'd like to promote? No. No. Well, we're speechless. Okay. Uh, okay. Sorry. This you is the first on She Talked Live. You caught us uh, off guard there. Let's giggle, Lauren. Yeah, I like this part. I think we can manage that pretty well. <laughs> anyway, ladies. So we had a lot of other topics on our plate tonight. One of them that we teased a little earlier was Facebook. Now, I- I'm not a huge fan of Facebook. You know, I'm not the most active user, I would say. You know, I have a profile there and I like things here and there. And I, you know, if someone comments on my Facebook, I'll write back to them. Yeah, yeah, grudgingly. But uh, <laughs> but um, something happened recently where there was uh, a need for, uh, somebody needed help, basically. It was a uh, a person in the Liberty community who was in trouble and was in a situation where she was, um, I guess, being held involuntarily, right? That's a good way to put it? yes. Yes. It, I mean, guess kidnapped and then held involuntary would be a way to put in. Right. And, you know, I just don't I don't want to give out too many details or anything, because what I would like to focus on in this discussion is the utility of something like Facebook mm-hmm. for organizing and getting help to people who need it and even doing activism uh, itself. So 
I've seen Facebook over the years, Liberty lovers kind of network in, you know, they connect with each other. They tend to be, I'd say, pretty active for the most part in general on Facebook. Mm-hmm. But what I've seen it become is basically a de facto reputation rating system almost. I mean, I've seen a lot of ostracism. I've seen ostracism happen on there. I've seen, you know, notes about people Uh letting them know, hey, I think this person stole from me. Here's the evidence. Hey, this person did something violent. Here's the evidence. And then they, you know, tag all their friends and let them know. I've seen it be used as a rallying cry, for lack of a better word, to call police departments Mm -hmm. when they arrest people who are friends to get that information out, to repost blogs that detail incidents like that and and also that detail activism. So it serves useful functions in those respects, although some people have real problems with the privacy uh, involved in Facebook. Do you ladies have any thoughts on this? I feel like I'm just talking. Well, I'm... I'm uh, faceless. I do not have a profile. I do not go to Facebook. Yes. Sometimes I miss things. So why, Lauren, did you decide to not be involved with Facebook? That was uh, another login, another another thing to watch every day, another thing to suck your life away onto the computer. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I did resist it for a long time because I thought of it as a time sink, uh, as you said, just something that I saw my friends and people around me just spending an inordinate amount of time. <laughs> and I try really hard not to let that happen. I pretty much use it passively, I guess. Mm-hmm. If somebody tags me or if somebody uh, writes me an email or a comment on there, I'll respond to it. But I tend not to initiate things on there, uh, except very rarely. Right. I I mean, I mean, I do spend a fair amount of time on Facebook. I don't think it's an unbalanced amount of time, but mm-hmm. I was very um, hesitant about Facebook as well. But then at some stage, maybe I would say three or four months ago, it seemed like there was a tipping point where it started to feel like, wow, this is a really, really, really useful tool for us. And I think in in the incident that you were alluding to earlier, that became clear to me because it... Um, I actually am halfway through a, an article called Me and Facebook, It's Complicated. <laughs> and, How appropriate. And, and it's sort of this whole, you know, push and pull, you know, oh, okay, let's say if it isn't a government database yet, it will be used to mine information. I don't think that's exactly gonna, what Lauren said during the break, right? Exactly. Yeah. I don't think they're actively going to go out and try and catch people or create crimes from Facebook, but I do certainly think it will be used as um, evidence. Yeah, it will they'll be go mined. back later. And mm-hmm. if you're ever in trouble, you know, I, I did this, and this was right after, well, not after I joined, but right after I got re-involved with Facebook there was one of those apps and I don't click on apps anymore I just Mm -hmm. you know sort of use it to share information and one of the reasons why I use it is because I have god forbid friends who are not (laughs) libertarians you know and and I like to post articles because I've noticed a lot of my friends where I can't articulate to them what exactly I'm trying to convince them of, Mm. I can post articles and they will read them and then we'll discuss them because it'll be sort of a concise idea about how would roads work or Mm. why should prostitution be legal? Or if we legalize marijuana, we're going to legalize heroin and then everyone's going to be a junkie and how are we going to (laughs) help them? And, you know, and you can address those things in little bite sizes, like sort of the way I did when I discovered Lou Rockwell. And that was a really Mm. concrete path for me to a lot of my ideas 
And so anyway, Facebook, I'm just going to say one, I think it is actually the start of the collective unconscious. Interesting idea. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, and there is a hive mind aspect to it, you know, that the clouds of networks and things are floating out there in the ether and they're somehow connected and it just kind of knows what you will like. Well, it also, (laughs) it, it allows you to look, you know, to, to track what other people are reading or seeing or thinking because Mm. it is a way to communicate. So I mean, spreading memes, right? Yeah. And I'm a big fan of, um, you know, a more free market solution. Uh, so diaspora, you know, I, I would highly encourage people to get on there. It's in beta right now. Yeah. Um, I wonder, I wonder if that's just going to become another Facebook, but I, so far I think it's cool. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think the technology is different and it's out of the open source community. So it's a decentralized sort of more yes. our kind of people, people, as opposed to Oh, mm. it's funded by the CIA. <laughs> but, I agree. I just want to, we do have a call in the line, but I want to ask Lauren one last question about Facebook. And uh, I, when I asked you before why you avoided Facebook, you said it's kind of a time sink factor. Was the potential of privacy concerns or the government being involved, was that a factor in your decision to not be on it? No, I didn't think of that at the beginning. Mm, but, okay. but since then, I, I'm, I'm still off of Facebook because... Because that might be uh, something I might think about in the future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes that makes sense to me. I've been concerned about it too, facial recognition and all that. Oh God, I'm screwed. <laughs> anyway, uh, we do have a call on the line. Free Talk Live. Who's this? It's Jim from New Hampshire. Hey, Jim. And uh, I think this is a person that we all know and love very personally, right? <laughs> it's the yeah, uh, what's that? The, the activist's husband. Uh, <laughs> Jim in New Hampshire. <laughs> yeah. What's Facebook. on your mind tonight, Jim? Facebook. When uh, I was on trial for the 420 event in, in Nashua. Uh, the, can you give us a brief recap of that? Because I think it's definitely worth mentioning. And we were at the Liberty Forum uh, last year, and then we had a, a 420 event in a park. With and, people uh, openly smoking cannabis, holding signs against the drug war, no victim, yeah. no crime, that sort of thing, right? Yeah, large group of white people, and the cops come in and, and found the lone black kid mm. in the crowd and uh, and arrested him. And uh, the crowd got upset about this. And, uh, and uh, so some of us stood in front of a police car. Absolutely, Jim. And that was what I was getting at, but we're coming up on a break, so can we hold you over? Sure. Excellent. More with Jim when we come back. He stood in front of a police car for what he believed. And so did Lauren. She talked live. Give us a call and we'll be back soon. This is She Talk Live. Thank you so much for sticking with us and listening to our show tonight. My name is Stephanie. And this is Lauren. And Carla. Yes, indeed. We certainly do appreciate your attention to our show tonight. And if you would like to give us a call and be an active participant, you can call us at 603-435-1105. That's 603-435-1105. As Jim has done, Jim in New Hampshire is on the line, and he has been telling us a Facebook horror story. So, uh, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Jim, before the break, uh, you're still there, right, Jim? Yep. Excellent. Thank you for holding with us. Um, before the break, you were telling us about how this past spring you were at a uh, protest uh, against the drug war, uh, also known as a 420 celebration at the Liberty Forum, which was held in Nashua. And there was a crowd of people smoking cannabis, holding signs and generally protesting. 
And the police managed to go in and find the one um, young black man in a crowd full of mostly white people. Smoking and, bongs, like four feet long bongs. Yeah, <laughs> it was incredible. I mean, uh, anyway, the, it was incredible how they singled this this guy out. And so, Jim, you were just telling us before we went to break that you and Lauren, who is here in the studio tonight, uh, stood in front of the police car where that young man was being held. So why don't you pick up with the rest of that story? Yeah, so the, uh, we were standing there. The, the, we were asked to move. Um, we eventually did move, but uh, not, they didn't arrest us that day. So 30 days later, the, the cops show up on my doorstep and, uh, and arrest me. And uh, I have to spend uh, a long weekend in jail, like four days. And but yes, by the way, that's a great point. They came on like a Friday night, right? Yep. Sure and did. Lauren, you can you can tell us more about this. How <laughs> what was it like? You have a video of this, don't you? Yes, I do. And uh, they were also had a warrant for me, but um, they kept asking me, uh, "And your name, Miss?" And I would go, "I'd rather not answer that question." And so they <laughs> they were able to grab Jim because he said or he. He would admit to his name, but I wouldn't, so they left me alone. Wow. Unbelievable. Uh, and was it, it must have been terrifying or maybe annoying. I don't <laughs> was terribly disappointed since I had Antigone's motorhome here and Jason were living oh. out in the driveway while I was fixing their motorhome. Oh, wow. That's kind of off the subject. And uh, so I go to court for my 420 thing. The, they they asked the officer you didn't arrest the guy right there. How did you know it was him? Well, Facebook. Wow. So it's testimony in court. that Facebook is how they find you. And did they give any details about how they used Facebook to find you? No, they wouldn't allow any uh, further. Uh, because the, the guy who actually did the investigation was not the officer on the stand. Mm-hmm. There was no more uh, questions being allowed for that. Wow. Now, uh, Jim, um, I have a quick question. Did you have your actual address or physical address somewhere that's um, no. linked to your Facebook account, or no? Okay. I don't. All right. Now, uh, n- well. now I'm 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 rightfully terrified. Like my stuff is all <laughs> still in New York. I mean, yeah, and that's Jim, on purpose. Jim, yeah, there's a blurry blurry picture of me with my Facebook account, but mm-hmm. uh, you click on it, and there's other pictures in there, but uh, it. There is no uh, physical address for me on the Facebook, so they they link it to other things. Oh, because they actually needed to identify you guys because they didn't know who you were. So they were looking through photos of activists or going through groups or, you know, Free State Project or... They probably Mm -hmm. knew we were associated with the the Liberty Forum. You go through there and you you look at all the faces that are uh, available for the Liberty Forum. And uh, then you go out and uh, find more information about it. It's not that hard. And sometimes you cannot control when other people post pictures of you doing activism or, or whatever you're doing, and they will make those pictures publicly available to everyone. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, there I, are these security measures that you can instate on Facebook, but who knows if they, I'm, I'm sure if they were asked by police, Facebook would turn them right Oh, over. they have. And I mean, yeah. there's precedent for that. They have done that in cases. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I actually heard about a case a couple months ago where there was some, a person was on probation or on parole. He was somehow in the prison system and his probation officer saw on Facebook 
that he was friends with another person who was known to be some kind of a a like animal rights activist or something of that nature. Social association. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And so they they used that uh, Facebook friendship to say that he was associating with known criminals, wow. and that was a violation of his terms of probation. And he went back to uh, back to the pokey for that. Wow. And the saddest thing was that people you read the comments on that news article that was talking about this. It was a basically a tech geek website that uh, you know broke this story to the public. And you would read these comments on there and there would be people saying, well, he knew better. He shouldn't have been Facebook friends with this guy. Really? You're telling me I can't click yes on a friend request because maybe the probation officer won't like this particular friend. Hmm. And a Facebook friendship is doesn't mean anything. I mean, you usually don't even know the person in the real world. You you can't. It's possible that you can't know them, right? Or that you don't know them. So, Jim, have you uh, decided to to quit your Facebook uh, account because of this? The information that's there will never go away. I mean, it's it's logged history on, until the uh, the Earth vaporizes. <laughs> and, uh, so it, it wouldn't do any good to uh, to get rid of the account. Mm. But, but uh, I I'm dis- very disappointed with it, and that's why I'm not on it very much. Yeah, but and that isn't why I actually called. Really? Well, was there was there something else on your mind? Well, you know, they've. Uh, been mentioning that there isn't a lot of activism lately and people aren't going to jail. And uh, the reason Lauren isn't in jail is because I really disapprove of her being in jail. And uh, I believe that uh, that she doesn't get in as much trouble as, uh, you know, as she would. Well, she doesn't want to get into trouble. She just wants to live her life to, yeah. in a free manner. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, the driving without a driver's license I actually convinced her to uh, to get a driver's license here a little while ago, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe Lauren would like to tell you what happened with that. Oh, um, I tried to. I uh, they ask you for uh, your birth certificate mm. at the, to prove you're not one of them illegals, right? Well, I suppose Are I don't you an exactly illegal, <laughs> <laughs> but I. I didn't have mine, and so I sent away for it from the town that I thought I was born in, and they sent me to, they said, I'm sorry, we can't fi- can't find your birth certificate. Really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so not only, if Lauren is out driving now, it isn't uh, because she didn't want to have a driver's license. It's because the, uh, the state now has messed up the, her paperwork so badly that she doesn't exist. <laughs> that might be a plus yeah. <laughs> i don't know let's all try this yeah. well you know it's a plus and it's a minus because this this happens so frequently and you know with any kind of bureaucratic mistake it's going to work against you you know they're, they're gonna go well we don't know I, I i just recently talked to someone who had gotten a uh, dui when he was 19 um he thought it was over mm-hmm. he um Basically, it ended up he had a suspended license and um, he got caught again and they had reinstated his license and they said, no, it's suspended, sorry. Wow. Unbelievable story. Jim, if you got more, we'll hang on to you to the break. This is She Talk Live. You should give us a call. 603-435-1105 and add your thoughts. We'll be back with more in a few. This is She Talk Live. This is She Talk Live. Welcome back. 
Thank you so much for joining us once again. This is Stephanie here with you. And Lauren. And Carla. Yes, indeed. And we are very privileged to have Jim on the line. He hung through the break just to talk to us again. Are you still there, Jim? Yep. Thank you so much for sticking with us. Now, uh, last segment, we were launching into a discussion, just scratching the surface, about birth certificates and an experience that Lauren had recently where... Well, Lauren, why don't you tell us what happened? <laughs> well, um, when you go to get a driver's license, uh, they ask for a birth certificate now. And so I didn't have one. Uh, I, it was kind of a new thing for me, I guess. And uh, so Why I said, would you ever need one in yeah. the past? Yeah. The, You're like, I'm proof I was born. So I sent away to the town that I thought I, I heard I was born in, uh, but... <laughs> Apparently, uh, they didn't have any record of my uh, birth certificate, so now I've got no nowhere to turn to get one. Yeah, that's such a strange, uh, such a strange thing. And uh, well, you and Obama, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! So, Jim, did did you have any other thoughts that you wanted to add to that? Well, Lauren had Lauren uh, is an adopted child, and uh, she had gone down to this place in person years ago, and. Uh, asked for information about her birth parents, and given information, you know, with a whole bunch of blacked-out lines. So Mm. the same place that has now told her that she doesn't exist was there giving her information years ago. Interesting. Yeah, that's very strange. Although I wouldn't put it past them to, you know, mess up and lose a record or something like that. Bureaucrats, what do you want? Yeah. 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 And then, poof, all of a sudden a person doesn't exist, quote-unquote, <laughs> under the, the law. <laughs> there is quite a few people in that boat because the uh, uh, places where records are kept burn down. They, yeah. they have floods. Records are destroyed. Oh, and adopted children uh, have new birth certificates uh, issued to them, and they're, regu- you know, like, mm. when a child is born, you put the mother's name on it. Oh, but they're now they're adopted, and now they have to change that and give, give them a different birth certificate. Mm. So that's a regular thing with adopted people. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I never mm-hmm. knew about that before. And, you know, ladies, we were discussing during the break, um, a birth certificate is basically just a piece of paper, right? Mm-hmm. If you go into the yep. DMV, I'm not suggesting anyone do this or anything, but how hard would it be to fabricate one? You know what I mean? It's just a piece of paper. <laughs> and so really, I think what the what the uh, DMV and the, the government relies upon is the fact that no one would dare to do that. Right. <laughs> basically, everyone is so obedient and so, you know, afraid of what would ever happen if they got caught that... You know, there's no way that they would ever try to fabricate one. So I wonder what Canadian birth certificates look like. They're they're different in every hospital, I bet. I yep. bet they are. Yeah, I don't think there's any standardized format for them. I mean, I remember one time, for some reason, having to get one from the town that I was born in. And I was just shocked at how it looked like, okay, somebody just basically printed this and put a raised seal on it. And that was it. You know, right. it's a kind of a special. A lot of them didn't even have raised seals. Yeah. That's, that's the problem they're having in Florida. Uh, they were one of the first states to uh, to do the real ID, and uh, they get Ooh. people in there with original certificates that are you know, 60 years old. They don't have a raised embossed thing on them. They're all faded. You can't hardly tell what's uh, what's written on it. And uh, mm. you know, they, oh, the other thing is uh, they have to align your name with uh, a social security number and mm-hmm. your uh, birth certificate. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, like one out of seven uh, Social Security numbers in America are uh, fake. America, I did a George George Bush. America. <laughs> America. Watch but, out for the uh, terrorists. Yeah, they, one in seven uh, Social Security numbers in America are have more than one name associated to the number right. or wow. more than one number associated to a name. Wow. One out of seven people in America have that problem. <laughs> That's very interesting. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about fraud and people getting their hands on other people's Social Security numbers. That's why we need the unique Internet ID for all Americans. Oh, my. Is there a weird acronym that goes? It feels like there should be some. I know. It's the UID. <laughs> oh, like a IUD. Like yeah. a- <laughs> I was going to say, isn't that what stops you from getting pregnant? Yeah. <laughs> it's a new form of birth control. Well, I'm pretty sure you're not going to oh, the- be able to do any internet porn once this is introduced. <laughs> so essentially, it's the same. It's birth control. You start talking about that stuff while he's, while he's trying to get hot. Yeah, you don't even have to start to cry. You just whip out the internet ID number and there he goes running out the door. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know what it, it reminds me of uh, talking about social security numbers. There are actually some people who say that, you know, there's such a big problem with identity theft and fraud and everything that people should just start to put their all their information, their social security number, their name, everything online, like that yeah. online. online. And so then That's a good idea. the genius of that is like, well... It's public right. information, so you can't prove it was me who did that thing mm-hmm. that they used the number to do. Right. So it's an interesting idea. I don't want to go first. Uh, yeah, but... no one wants to go first. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so anything well, else? Lauren, on... and, Lauren and I number are already out there because back when we were in the military, you walked through the airport with your name on your duffel bag with your Social Security number printed below it. Wow. Like oh, wow. an 18 by three foot long billboard that you walked through uh, airports with. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, do you think that's on the internet somewhere? Or? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. I, I shouldn't even ask about this. <laughs> Anything else uh, on your mind tonight, Jim? No, I'm good. All right. Well, thanks for calling. Great. And uh, we're sorry to hear about that Facebook horror story. That's yeah. not very pleasant. All righty. Stay Goodbye safe. Now. All right. Well, that was a very interesting conversation. You know what I remember? Uh, I was thinking about this during this discussion about birth certificates and, you know, fabricating them and all that and obedience of, of people. There was a, a couple of years ago, there was uh, a road that kind of goes through Canada and the U.S. It's an interstate highway thing. And I was driving along the road actually to go to Keene from where I was living and on the way, I passed by some Border Patrol vehicles, mm-hmm. and I said, uh-oh, that's no good. <laughs> so pretty sh- you know, shortly thereafter, I saw that the traffic had completely stopped, and they were blocking off the road and stopping every single car, having a drug dog, I assume, uh, go around and scratch up the paint and bark and all look all kinds of intimidating. And there was a cop standing there who wanted you to roll down your window and wanted to ask you all kinds of questions about where you were born and stuff. And so I said, oh, great. I'm in an immigration checkpoint. There's no way I can get out of it now. I'm, st- I'm just sitting in this line. I can't exactly turn around. So I went through and I, I tried the whole, am I being detained? Am I free to go? And of course, I was told that I was not being detained. He was just having a friendly conversation. <laughs> But of course, I was also not free to go. And so, you know, round and round we went a few times and uh, maybe it was my inexperience or I backed down too quickly. But 
eventually I told him, yes, I'm a U.S. citizen. And the guy asked me where I was born. So I told him the state in which I was born. And he said, okay, you're free to go and smiled and said, have a great day. Like he was all buddy, buddy, because he got my obedience. But there was no way. There was no way for him to verify what I had said. I could have been one of them illegals and nobody would have ever known. And I, I suppose it was because... I have light colored skin and an American accent right. that I was allowed to go go free-ish on that. <laughs> but really, it just shows that it's all about obedience and possibly looking for drugs because, of course, there was a dog out there, too. Right. But you see, they, of course, are like, we're not looking for drugs. We're not looking. We're looking for the terrorists. Exactly. And everyone's so what's a, it's a terrorist sniff, sniffing dog? It's a terrorist <laughs> sniffing dog. Oh, well, you know, God, the, we they should, don't wear deodorant, that's a cartoon. Lauren. <laughs> You can smell them from a mile away. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But uh, have you ladies ever had a, a experience similar to this? Have you ever been caught in an immigration checkpoint? Um, Lucky. <laughs> I mean, I haven't been caught in a border patrol, but I've certainly, you know, had my, my fair share of coming in and out of this country and in and out of other countries. Yeah. Yeah. And and of course, last time on She Talk Live, you told us a very horrible experience that sure. that happened to you. You know, you had a very invasive search. Yes. That's <laughs> awful. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Anyway, tell us your Border Patrol immigration horror stories, Facebook horror stories, or make us cry and we'll turn you off. <laughs> this is She Talk Live. <laughs> we'll be back with. This is She Talk Live, and we are launching into the final segment of the show. Oh, so sad. We might cry because we almost have to go. (laughs) We're not really going to cry because we'll be back next month, as always. But uh, we want to thank you for listening to us tonight. It's been a blast. I've had a really great time. And, of course, this is Stephanie with you. And Lauren. And Carla. Yes, indeed. And we do have a call on the line. Let's see where this call goes. We usually um, get loaded up with phone calls in the last segment, but apparently we have someone who I do apologize, but I've forgotten your name, but I know you wanted to talk about relationships. So why don't you introduce yes. yourself? Uh, my name is Kenny, and I'm from uh, Daytona Beach, Florida. Oh. Okay. I, um, I had a couple of questions, actually. The sure. first um, is uh, if there's this notion that there are no more good men around, and if that's, well, not no more, but very few and if that's true, are women willing to compete for those to get those men? Hmm. Okay. I. How do I answer that? I. I don't think that there are. Uh, I think that yes, there are probably few good people of both genders, but good is relative, right? Everybody values other people differently depending on what their own values are, and it can be difficult to meet people who are really compatible with you. But I think the internet is certainly making that easier, as is things like the Free State Project, where sure. we're working on activist projects and we're really meeting a lot of people of like mind. And certainly romantic relationships come out of that. What do you ladies think? Uh, I had a question. What was, uh, sure. was, are women willing to compete for the attention of the good men? of the good men? Yeah. <laughs> it makes it sound like a win-lose proposition, but... Uh, mm. uh, I would say that that there's no comp- or there's no uh, there's no conflicts there because there's you know there's a, about fifty fifty women and men in the population right 
So you, approximately, yeah. Unless you're there's, talking about China, right? There's, <laughs> there's plenty of people that they, that you meet that um, you could get to, to know better, and uh, well, it's it's not like uh, you know. I don't. What, what do you consider the, the the competition to? Or what would what would it look like for women to fight over the, the best men? Okay, so um, I guess the best way to explain it is kind of like in terms of supply and demand. Mm-hmm. If, you know, there's a notion that most women want a guy that's um, a breadwinner, he has a pretty good paying job, blah, 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 yakety smacky. And I'm talking about those men. Yakety smacky. I like that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and are women willing to compete for those men? Well, what would it look like? Yeah, what would the competition look like? Oh, would they be dressing? Would there be in like a, a wet way? T-shirt contest, or would there be like an essay <laughs> that you would grade, or what? What would it be? I have no idea. I, I don't know. It's just, I never. I didn't. I guess I didn't think that far. It was just. It was a question that someone asked me, and I thought it was a very interesting question. Well, all right, what, 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 let's say two women want your affections. Uh, right. What would you want them to do to to to, to fight it out or to to decide between them. <laughs> or maybe he would want to just date or, both of them. Yeah, maybe you can take both, yeah. <laughs> well, if, from a guy's perspective, I guess it would somewhat be on looks, but personality counts also. So the essay so and the wet t-shirt contest, contest. At, at the same time. Yeah, really, I can't, that won't hurt either of me. <laughs> so... I would say women already are uh, fighting over your affections. I mean, everyone, every female who talks to you is, is you know, trying to get you to uh, pay attention to her, right? Yeah. So it's already yeah, happening, I, I think. And some are doing a better job than others are at uh, getting your attention. So there, there you go. But you, but wouldn't you agree that most women have the attitude of um, men um, come and pick me up? I don't, no, men chase me. I don't chase them. I I feel really uncomfortable making broad generalizations based on gender, and I I also feel uncomfortable. I want to challenge the notion too that like uh, the most desirable thing about a man would be for him to be a breadwinner and to have a high paying job, because I think that there are many women out there who value other things about a partner, for instance, someone that they can really connect with on a deep level and have great conversations with and work on projects together, have similar interests. I, I don't think those things should be understated. It it, it becomes sort of this caveman game mm-hmm. when we talk about, okay, women are after financial security and men are after sex and good looks, and so they make trade, ugh, as Antigone said last time <laughs> when she talked live. I don't think it's that simple, nor sh- should it be from my perspective. And I agree with you, but but come on. It, that's what it is. That's the status quo in our society. It. I haven't had that experience at all. Well, but just saying it's the status quo is not saying that's right. I mean, we're all in the studio. We've all moved to New Hampshire because we don't like the status quo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're all about changing the status quo. So even if right. that's how it is, let's make it different. Right. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think probably maybe you, you know you said somebody else asked you this question about. Uh, shouldn't these women be competing for the good men if if they say that there are only good men out there? Maybe that question is motivated by a feeling of, hey, why are all these women so interested in men who make good money? Aren't there other things about men that they should be 
attracted to and interested in as well. Maybe, you know, maybe that person is coming from that perspective. Well, you know, if we have to, if we men have to make a lot of money in order to attract women, then they women should have to do something else. Should have big boobies. Right. And I don't think that's, from my perspective, that's not the, the way that people form lasting relationships. Of course not. Yeah. Maybe I'm a maybe I'm a pie in the sky idealist, but I don't think so. The best relationships that I've had in my life have nothing to do with finance. I mean, I support myself. I don't need someone to take care of me, and I want a partner who can fulfill me in all kinds of ways, like emotionally and, of course, physically, and just someone that I have a really deep connection with. And money doesn't really factor much into that. I would so say. if he was broke. That wouldn't have uh, an effect. If he was broke, well, it depends on why he's broke. If he's broke because he tried to start a business and maybe it failed or something like that, I probably would consider his entrepreneurship and, and a quality that I admire because, you know, he's pursuing his goals and dreams. Sometimes you don't always succeed, but that entrepreneurial spirit is attractive. If he's broke because he has no motivation to do anything and wants to play video games all day, that might not be someone I would be attracted to in the first place, but it's not because he doesn't have money. It's because he doesn't have drive Mm -hmm. and ambition and interests. Does that make sense? Yeah, I guess it does. Yeah. Lauren, any thoughts? You're making some faces. (laughs) (laughs) I was just wondering where uh, uh, our caller, whose name I didn't get, um, where he goes His cell phone cut out a little bit. I, I was... I Kenny, I'm from Kenny. Daytona Kenny. Beach. Uh, Kenny, thank you. Mark Nian actually gave me the name Kenny the Player, so I just kind of ran with that. <laughs> ah, Kenny the Player. Not Kenny. Okay, okay we'll, we'll call you that. <laughs> Thanks, Kenny. All right. Um, sorry, Lauren did have some other thoughts, I think. Oh, go ahead. Well, so where do you, uh, do you go to bars to meet women? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I, don't, I, don't really, I don't really go to places to meet women. I just... I just go and hang out, you know. If I meet women, that's fine. It's, it's not something I hang my I hang my hat on. Mm-hmm. So you're so, you are you finding it difficult to get uh, women to be to talk to you or to no, show an interest? Oh, no, 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 I have no problem. He's with called women. Kenny just, the Player. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what well, he earned that name. <laughs> he I, mean, I think it. they gave me that name because um, the first time I called, I was really. Mostly supporting Surreal. I don't know if you all heard of him. Mm-hmm. Oh, we are very intimately familiar Surreal. with Surreal. <laughs> yes, yeah. So I think that's why they gave me that name. But um, I yeah, I, don't, I have no problem with meeting women and things like that. I was just curious. And uh, may I ask about your financial situation? Do you think that women are attracted to you because of your wallet? Um. Yes and no. I wouldn't say I wouldn't go as far as calling women gold diggers, but there's there's usually part where we ask women what they want. It, it comes out in their conversation a little bit. Hmm. You know, I'm just going to channel Antigone here for just one second <laughs> channel, and be channel, like, channel. <laughs> "Women, it's so collectivist. Talk about people <laughs> as individuals." No, 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 not all women. Let, hold on, let me say, let me stop and say that I'm not referring to all women. In my experience, I am talking to about, I'm talking about most women, not all of them. Sure, and it, I'm sure it probably depends a little bit on 
where you're meeting women and so forth. Kenny, thanks for the fascinating discussion. This is a good way to end out the show. We really appreciate your call. Sex, love, and rock and roll. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in. This has been She Talk Live. We are so glad to have you in our audience, and we'll see you next month. Until then, thanks a lot for listening.